Just imagine, the mightiest heroes of our time. All of them, on one team. The Fire and Water Network proudly presents... JLU Cast. Hello and welcome to JLU Cast, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, Cindy Franklin. And I'm Chris Franklin, and this episode we're covering the epic conclusion to the long-running Cadmus story arc with Divided We Fall. With a story this big, you know we had to have a special guest. You've heard him before here, all over the Fire and Water Podcast Network, as well as on JLUcast. He's one of the biggest fans of a certain Scarlet Speedster we know, so he's the perfect person to help us discuss this signature story for that character. Please welcome Steve Givens back to the Watchtower. Hey, Steve. Hi, Chris. Hi, Cindy. How are you guys doing? Doing well, doing, doing well. Doing great. How are you? I am doing fantastic. It's good to be talking with you guys again, especially about this episode, which is... In my opinion, the greatest episode of Justice League Unlimited, with all due respect to Dr. Ange, who, like, you had him on the last episode, and he says he thought the the uh, Panic in the Sky episode was one of the best ever of JLU. I respectfully disagree. Divided We Fall is the best episode. Okay. Well, you're both right. So, <laughs> I mean, I, this is they're, they're the last two parts of a really, I mean, yeah, like we said, there's an epilogue, but they're the real last two parts of a, one of the best Justice League stories, period, no matter what medium, yes. in my opinion. So, absolutely agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So, we discussed your love for The Flash when you helped us cover the Superman the animated series episode, Speed Demons in between our coverage mm-hmm. of Justice League and JLU. So we know you love The Flash, but how do you feel about how the character was handled during JLU so far? Here's the thing. The uh, the idea of JLU seemed to be of taking the Core 7 and never having them be together. Um <laughs> for the for the duration and then then having them kind of jump in here and there as needed in the story you know um i the way the flash was handled like i really loved uh the team up with mr miracle uh that episode i thought that that was um i think that that it was just so off kilter like i wouldn't have expected that kind of combination that they used uh i mean just flash facing off against granny goodness i mean that yeah that just the idea is just kind of uh uh, uh you know uh, unique and uh just uh, bizarre to me i love it you know he just doesn't uh, he he has he was getting used but again the idea is like it seems to be that they aren't really showcasing all seven all together so flash isn't obviously as prominent as he was in the original series and and that doesn't bother me but i you know i always love to see the flash and whenever he does show up he gets handled very well um in a in in speaking of of the current storyline i mean he comes across and you guys even mentioned it in an earlier episode of like when after the laser is shot into the um into cadmus and he's he's one of the leaders of helping clean up after the devastation and help the people you know who are her part of the fallout apparently no one gets killed in yeah. that situation <laughs> as you guys have pointed out um, miraculously uh but he um so he's i he he there isn't enough of flash in my opinion i but i respect that what they were trying to do with jlu so i'm okay with him not being featured when they do have him in i really love how he's being handled 
Okay, if yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah. yeah, it makes perfect sense. And, you know, it's really strange. We pointed out in season one, Flash, Michael Rosenbaum never speaks. You know, it's, it's really strange. Mm-hmm. It's like... Uh, you know, of course, if you got your DVD sets, they call season one and two all one season, but it's not really. So, uh, mm-hmm. so that was kind of odd, and I, I don't know if Michael Rosenbaum was busy, you know, at that time. But, but speaking of which, when we when we talked about the Superman episode, the Flash was voiced there by Charlie Schlater, so or Schlatter. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what do you think about Michael Rosenbaum's take on the Flash character? Uh, for the character they were they were creating, the character for Justice League is uh, the Flash in, in this in this in the cartoon is a little different than the one that was in the Superman animated series. They're just he's the one in the in the anim, Superman animated series was a little uh, too much of a of, of of full of himself, you mm-hmm. know, and just very kind of like um, disrespectful to Superman. You know, and like Superman's an old fogey. We have nothing to learn from each other, and that was what they needed to do for you know the for the episode there. And I'm you know that's fine. Uh, for the Justice League series, you know the way Michael Rosenbaum plays him, the way he's written, you know he becomes the heart and center of the Justice League. Like he's, I don't want to say like the conscience, but he is he is someone who is kind of. Uh, he's almost like the voice of of the common man. Like he's he's the one coming in with like the quips or the commentary that most people are saying. As a matter of fact, there's a line in that he has in this episode we're about to talk about. I literally said that line at the end of the previous <laughs> episode. Okay. <laughs> so when I heard him say it, I was like, okay, Flash is in my head or I'm in his. I don't know. <laughs> um, and, and so it, it, it's he. I think he was being used as kind of like the voice of the audience here. You know, he was, for me, he was always the much more relatable character. Um, and I, I absolutely enjoyed his characterization. Now, was it the same as in the comics? No. Um, as I talked about with, uh, when, on the Superman episode, we talked about Wally West throughout the course of his series had a really cool trans, a transition from, you know, a 19-year-old uh, horn dog uh, into a married man with uh, children and uh, responsibilities and and a, a true hero. So he had this 20-year transition into that. Um, and the Flash in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited is somewhere in in between those two extremes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, and it's and it's cool. I loved it, uh, and it worked for the dynamics that was going on that that were needed for the te- for the core seven uh, on the uh, cartoon. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah, he's definitely he's he started out a little more of the Mike Barron, <laughs> Wally mm-hmm. West, but now he's kind of transitioning more into the at least the later days of the Bill Mesner Loeb's era. You know, maybe True. maybe maybe a little Mark, well, a little Mark Wade with this one. You know, there's. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so now that we're into JOU, are there any other of the 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 unlimited members, the bigger roster mm-hmm. that you're particularly fond of? Um, I really loved the Booster Gold episode. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fa- I think it's the favorite of a lot of people. Um, uh, in, in terms of like the extended cast, you're talking is that what you're asking me yeah. about? Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, I love anytime Zatanna shows up. 
I, I mean, the the little piggy episode was really phenomenal. Um, I'm trying to think. I always, oh, and with the random assemblage of female uh, characters they pulled together for the um, for the grudge match episode. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, all of, you haven't gotten to that one yet, so I don't want to talk too much about it. But <laughs> I was like, who are they going to pull out next? You know, of all these characters. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, it was always fun to see who they were going to have in the background. And it, like at one point in the episode, uh, in an earlier, I'm, uh, excuse me, in an episode, earlier episode of this storyline, they have vibe, like, uh, moving some debris off of some people who, uh, in, in cars who miraculously, miraculously survived the bridge falling on them. Um, <laughs> yeah. but he's moving it with his, vi- with his vibration powers. And then there's gypsy. I'm, I, I go back to the justice league Detroit days. That's when I first started reading justice League seriously as a, as a collector. So I, I have a fondness for those characters. Vixen. I loved always Vixen in, in this series, how she was handled. Yeah. Um, so just a lot of great characters, uh, especially I always liked seeing who was in the background because it made it very clear to me that the creators, they knew the DC universe and knew how to walk around in it and put stuff uh, like Easter eggs in the background for us. Oh, yeah, there's there's uh, Mr. Terrific and there's that and there's this, you know, and, and so it, it was it was always just a fun uh, episode to watch. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, that's part of the that's part of the fun of this show when we're doing it. It's like, oh, here's here's our man, you know, and he's powering yeah. up. You know, he never says anything, but it's just cool that he's there. Right? <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> okay, well, let's jump into Divided We Fall. Uh, it originally mm-hmm. aired July sixteenth, two thousand five. Uh, the credits: it was written by Dwayne McDuffie, directed by Joaquin Dos Santos, with music by Michael McQuiston. In the cast. We have the Magnificent Seven. The whole team is here. Uh, the original team. Kevin Conroy is Batman. George Newbern is Superman. Susan Eisenberg is Wonder Woman. Michael Rosenbaum is The Flash. Carl Lumley is John Jones. Phil Lamar is Green Lantern. Maria Canals is Shiera. Clancy Brown is Lex Luthor. Corey Burton as Brainiac. CCH Pounder as Amanda Waller. Ken Schreiner as Green Arrow. David Delaney as Lois Lane. And Robert Forster returns as the President. As the founding Justice Leaguers and Amanda Waller reel from the grotesque reveal of last episode, Brainiac explains how he came to possess Lex Luthor's body. Years prior, he had overtaken Lex's computers and made him build him a new android body. Before Superman destroyed the body, Brainiac blasted Lex, delivering a payload with his programming. Over the years, he subtly influenced Lex's actions, cured his cancer, and gave him super strength in order to build a proper android body for himself. Waller fires on Brainiac, and he blows out the top floor of the LexCorp Tower. The League regroup that are attacked by LexCorp Tower now changed by Brainiac's tendrils. Trapped in the cybernetic tentacles, Brainiac attempts to drain all the knowledge from the League before destroying them, the same plan he has for Earth. Jean breaks free and temporarily sends Brainiac running. His skull ship emerges from the tower, and the League destroys it, sending it crashing into the streets below. But Brainiac and Luthor are gone. They escape into the sewers, where Luthor proposes... He can give Brainiac a purpose beyond his programming of gaining all knowledge and destroying the universe. Lex offers him the chance for both of them to become a god. The League realizes Brainiac will head for the best tech available, which is the nanotech Darkheart, which the League fought and Cadmus confiscated. The combined Luthor and Brainiac break into Cadmus's vault and Brainiac absorbs the nanotech into his system. He uses the nano spiders to cover their combined body, creating a new form, merging their personality as one. This combined form, which we'll call Luthoriac, 
takes over the Cadmus building. The Justice League arrives and the existing building explodes, leaving an advanced tower construct building itself, controlled by the will of Luthoriac. With this machine, he can absorb all of Earth's knowledge in one stroke and destroy it faster. The League attack, but Luthoriac retaliates with nanorobots based on their Justice Lord doppelgangers. The heroes face their worst fears about themselves, with Superman being confronted by his double's murder of President Luthor. Flash is mocked by his counterpart and manages to defeat him. The Leaguers swap opponents and end their threat, but Luthoriac blasts each of them, save for Wonder Woman, who throws their javelin at the machine, destroying it. Flash is the first to arise, and Luthoriac taunts him with the fate of his Justice Lord counterpart, dying at the hands of Lex Luthor, and triggering Armageddon as the question predicted. The Flash breaks free and seemingly runs away, but Luthoriac is soon sideswiped by the Scarlet Speedster, running faster than he ever has before, traveling around the globe and building up momentum before each strike. He knocks off chunks of Luthoriac's outer shell, revealing Lex's flesh beneath. The Flash stops and, crackling with lightning, vibrates his hands into his body as Luther writhes in agony. The Leaguers come to in time to see a massive explosion. After the smoke clears, a naked but human Lex Luthor lays gasping as a puzzled Flash stands before him, telling his friends he feels funny. Flash vanishes. Luthor jokes he did manage to kill him, which angers Superman. The Man of Steel's eyes go red as he lifts Luthor by his throat, but he tells his old enemy he's not the man who killed President Luthor, even if at the moment he wishes he was. Jean picks up Flash's presence and tells the others he's very weak, but still alive. A portal opens before Shaira, and Flash's voice tells them of how he is now in a speed force, which is calling him home. The Leaguers call out to him to return to them, and Shaira reaches inside to pull him out as the others join hands to lend their strength. They manage to pull Flash free, but he notes he can never go that fast again, or he'll never make it home. Amanda Waller informs the President that the threat is over. Sometime later, the Founding Leaguers hold a press conference. Superman reluctantly admits that he and the League had succumbed to the sin of hubris and distanced themselves from the humanity they have sworn to protect. They tell the crowd of civilians, reporters, and Justice League members that they are decommissioning the Watchtower and disbanding the League. Green Arrow calls them out and informs them that the events of the last few days have proven that the world needs the Justice League and that the League needs Superman and the Founders. The heroes reconsider but plan to make changes to make sure they don't lose touch with those they protect. Later at the Daily Planet, Clark Kent and Lois Lane discuss the League, and Lois says, after giving Superman a hard time for a while, she's going to cut him in some slack. He is only human, after all. I will say, if you skip the recap and intro on this one, you may miss that Michael Rosenbaum says previously on Justice League Unlimited. So, maybe that's a hint on who's going to save the day here. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. They're like, well, they're probably like, well, this is your episode, Michael. You want to do it? And he's like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. You know? <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> I'm already sitting in the sound booth for a couple hours. Might as well just do one more line. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Flash also gets the first line of the episode with a huge understatement as he looks at yes. the at the creature that used to be Lex Luthor and now is like Lex Luthor and Brainiac. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't Cthulhu. even say it. Yeah, sandwich. It's it's like I, I uh, me and Doctor, you know, Doctor Andy and Cindy and I compared it to the Cronenberg, but it's also reminded me now a lot of the Thing. Mm. You know, like yeah. the, the John oh, yeah. Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah, it's like God. Definitely, definitely a lot of body horror going on there. And I don't want to step on what you were about to say, Chris. Go but ahead. The line. 
is, dude, that is messed up. <laughs> That's the line I literally said at the end of the previous episode when I when he transformed. I was like, dude, that is messed up. <laughs> I might have said something a little bit more colorful at the time, but uh, but it was the same thing. And uh, when Flash says it in the next episode, I was like, okay, he's the he's. He's in sync with what the audience is thinking at this point in time. Uh, yeah, it was um, that that initial transformation is pretty horrific, mm -hmm. uh, and and to the point where I'm like, this is a kid show, okay? <laughs> you know, I'm like, it's uh, and they kept him in that form for a while, and it's uh, it's a little disconcerting. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, and, and Lex is just as confused as the leaguers are. Yeah. And I mean, and every time Brainiac speaks, he's got these, he's got the three light, like nodes that like are like protruding out of Lex's skin a little bit. And, mm -hmm. and then his eyes light up. He's got the skull face, like we said, in his chest. And he's got, the, yeah. uh, you know, the, the protrusions out of his back. And then like the, the tendrils that have, his arms have just ripped apart. And there's these tendrils hanging out. It's just like, Oh, it's it's like you said though. It's it's so yeah. it's so gross that it's. I'm kind of surprised even on Cartoon Network they got away mm. with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, but you know, God bless them for pulling it off because it definitely was effective. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Lex, uh, I'm sorry. Brainiac explains he's laid dormant in Lex for years. He says he's been subtly influencing his actions. Uh, so strangely, Lex's fate is shared by Superman in this timeline, since apparently he spent years under the control of Starro in the Batman Beyond episode. Uh, so I never thought about that till I was watching this. I said, "Wait a minute, hmm. Brainiac, you know, was in Lex for years. Starro was on Superman apparently for years mm -hmm. in this timeline." I'm like, "That's odd," you know. Yeah. <laughs> Just like <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, hmm. uh, Brainiac reminds Lex he kidnapped him once, and in that the very building they're standing in, uh, he forced Lex into building him a new body, which Superman destroyed, but not before Brainiac blasted Lex. And he asks Lex how could he have survived such a point blank shot, and Lex reminds us it was never meant to kill him. So that is from the episode Ghost and Machine from Superman the Animated Series. So what a callback! I mean mm -hmm. that that's. That's an episode from September 29th, 1997, written by our friend Rich Fogel, friend of the right. show and, and, and former guest here. Uh, so Rich Fogel has been laying seeds for these guys to pick up all over the place. So. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he said the blast carried a nanotech payload containing a copy of Brainiac's program, which inserted itself into Lex's body and slowly grew in strength over the years. And so Brainiac cured Lex's cancer and gave him super strength, all to keep him alive long enough to build the Amazo-like android body. So, uh, I mean, that, you know, Brainiac was playing the long game. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, which is very Brainiac-like. I like that. <laughs> you know what? It's, like you said, it's it's classic Brainiac. Like, the whole idea of, like, uh, Brainiac never gets killed. Like, there's always something hidden about him as long as there's a piece somewhere that exists he's going to come back and and you know plot an, another like another uh elaborate scheme of some kind um i have a question though uh, do you guys have a name for the luther brainiac combination 
Well, apparently later on, fans, when he's in his final state, when he's kind of more the actual synthesis of the them and he looks more humanoid again, he's called yeah. Luth- Luthoriac, I think is what people call him. <laughs> okay, all right. Luthoriac. Yeah. I was thinking Brainy Lex, but well, I mean, Luthoriac sounds better, I think. I think I, right. I, I think in my notes somewhere I called, uh, I think I called him Brainy Lex in this form. When he's in his, you know, <laughs> disheveled, ripped apart flesh form, he's Brainy Lex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <laughs> uh, you know, what's really weird, though, is you talked about the pieces of Brainiac will always come back as Brainiac. And it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting because Brainiac has reappeared in the DCAU since then, of course, particularly on this series in the Justice League Season 2 premiere Twilight, which was also co-written by Rich Fogel. So, you know, and he later references his, you know, encounter with Darkseid. So mm-hmm. Brainiac always is aware of what his other pieces are doing, apparently. Mm-hmm. He's, he's There's a Brainiac cloud, apparently, mm-hmm. you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it makes you wonder, though, what if two of these, like, came up at the same time? Would they, you know. Right. I mean, they would, I guess they would work together because they're all Brainiac. But Well, kind of like Clayface. I guess, yeah, I guess so, yeah. yeah. Or, or maybe one of them would think they're a little girl and Robin would get a crush on her and then, oh, yeah. it, you know, it would be really horrible when it merges back with yeah. Brainiac and then you like, you know, then that horrible heart-wrenching yeah. episode of, of Batman the Animated <laughs> Series. Okay, now I'm sad. Okay, sorry. Oh. <laughs> uh, oh. Yeah. It would make for an interesting storyline. Like, what would happen if the two different pieces of Brainiac... Like evolved or you know came back like it grew back together or grew individually. I mean, mm-hmm. and developed their own separate schemes of revenge. But those those two separate schemes of revenge were at odds with one another. Right. Yeah, that would be. Then, I, yeah. <laughs> then you have like a brainiac war. You know. Yeah. Uh, there, there you go, DC. You're welcome. <laughs> we just <laughs> workshopped the plot for you. <laughs> James Gunn, if you're listening, yeah, (laughs) put this in the Superman movie and finally use Brainiac, okay? (laughs) Jeez. Uh, Brainiac tells Lex he improved his body and cured his cancer because his animal protein shell was insufficient for my needs. Uh, So I love how mechanically uh, cold the DCAU Brainiac is, and and Corey Burton is just perfect in the role. I I love his... You know, his he's so calm the, the whole delivery, time. Yeah, yeah he just about you know, it's it's kinda like the same kind of uh Michael and Sarah as as Mr. Freeze to a mm-hmm. point that you know, but it's even it's even with less it's even with less emotion because there's no like I mean, oh yeah, there's a little bit of feeling here and there, but it's mostly just, no, this is my programming. I'm gonna, you know, gather all knowledge, destroy everything and just go to the next planet and gather that knowledge until, you know, and of course we'll get into that, what that, what Lex thinks of that plan. But, uh, it's, it's a, I really like the DCAU version of Brainiac. It's a really, it's a really cool version. Oh, agreed. Yeah. It's, uh, he's definitely a threat. He's definitely, uh, you know, creepy. And like, like you said, Corey Burton's voice is, uh, I mean, and that, that just goes across the board, how they handled the DCAU in general, I can't think of anybody who I thought was a bad voice casting choice for the character they played. No. You know, they, they always did a really good job with that. And so, yeah, Corey Burton, you know, 
he did a he just hit it out of the ballpark like like just about everyone else did. Yeah, Andrea Romano, man, she yep. is the mm-hmm. she is the the secret hero of the DCAU. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, everyone is listening to this monologue, but Flash steps forward and says, "I hate to interrupt this special live performance of the thing with two heads, but it's time to go to jail now." Uh, I love that line, and for those who don't mm-hmm. know, the thing with the t- with the thing with two heads is a sci-fi horror comedy exploitation film released in 1972. Starring Rosie Greer as a black death row inmate who has the head of rich white bigot, played by Ray Milan, transferred onto his body, and hilarity ensues. Mm. <laughs> it was recently aired on Spin a few months ago. You may have seen it there. So <laughs> again, two hours of my life I will never get back. <laughs> I am the proud things... to say I have never seen that movie, and I don't think I ever will. <laughs> I mean, the things that Christopher watches. Hey, it's fun. It's it's a fun movie, though, because it's just, I mean, it's like, it's so obvious that Ray Milan is just, like, standing behind Rosie Greer with a with a, a collar on his neck, like, you know, like, you, you know, a yeah. neck brace. And he's basically standing behind him in a lot of the shots. And in other shots, he's just got, like, a dummy head attached to his shoulder that looks like Ray Milan. And it's like, Ray Milan was, like, a big Hollywood star, and when he... All these Hollywood stars, when they got older, all they could do was these exploitation movies. It's sad, you know? Uh, And you're watching it for your own enjoyment. That's right. This guy's... This guy's career is going down the toilet, and you're—that's your entertainment. That's kind of sad. But. I, uh, yeah, I guess that's not why I'm watching it. You know, I'm, I know I'm teasing. I, I'm trying to support him. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, hey, he was in the Escape from Witch Mountain too. So you know, mm. uh, <laughs> anyway, Amanda Waller agrees, saying what he said, and she shoots Lex point blank in his brainiac chest. So. Flash is stunned, but the league just kind of stands there. Couldn't at least three of them stopped her before she fired? Did they even want to? Right. I mean, makes you wonder, doesn't it? <laughs> it's kind of like that whole thing. Well, we're not going to kill him, but we're not going to stop somebody else from killing him. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Batman Begins thing. Yeah. I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you. Yeah, that takes <laughs> Or it could just be like Superman knows Brainiac and knows that that's not going to kill him. Yeah, yeah. Superman's just you know? shaking his head, going, "Yeah, yeah." Now you just made him bad, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like Mongo, like Mongo. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Don't shoot him. Just make him mad. Uh, <laughs> of course, you know Brainiac. She perforates his face and and then knocks Lex down. She turns and tells the league she'll have her tech guys try to pull Luther out of what's left of that hunk of. Uh, but she doesn't get to finish that sentence as the Lex Brainiac, uh, Brainy Lex, I like that, Brainy Lex combo rises <laughs> unharmed. The Brainiac face heals back T2 style, uh, which I think is cool. And a stun Waller says, I'll be dipped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, what is, what, what is I'll be dipped? <laughs> it's basically like saying, well, explicative, well, H-E-double hockey sticks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I, I'll be, I, I've always wondered that. People say, I've heard that before. I mean, I, well, I'll be dipped. What are you being dipped in? You know, it's like, yeah. I, I don't know where oh. that started. Is it like I'll be dipped in excrement? I don't know. I mean, I just, you know, I, just, <laughs> I, I don't know. What are you being dipped in that's so bad? You know, I mean, it's, well, it, yeah. Somebody let us know in the comments. if We could have looked it up, but we're, 
we'll leave that to you guys. That's your homework. So look, look that oh. up. <laughs> uh, or if you, or even if you do find what it really means, hey, post some guesses about what it could mean. You know, just let's come up with our own meaning and see go. how far it can go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Brainiac simply says, "Be gone!" And the whole top floor of LexCorp Tower explodes, sending Waller and the League plummeting to the ground. Shire grabs Flash. GL puts Waller in a construct bubble. And Batman fires his grapple, which apparently works this time, uh-huh. but didn't work last episode. Uh-uh. So he may be, but, but uh, there was also like the rough, he may be caught the, where the building was blown out now. Yeah. So, you know, we can, you know, we can do that. So <laughs> we'll, we'll no prize that. Uh, but of course, Superman is still in the building, pummeling his two biggest foes at the same time. So even though this is very serious and the Lex Brainiac combo or Brainy Lex is disgusting, do you think Superman secretly digs being able to just punch Lex as hard as he can? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's got to be a good thing. He's like, I can beat the crap out of him. Yes. You know, just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Superman punches Lex clear out of the building, but his tendrils reach out, grab the tower, and begins to change it like a computer virus. More tendrils grow out of it, and they attack the leaguers. There are some nice action bits here, and they put up a good fight, but ultimately, they're just outnumbered by the tentacles. Green Lantern puts a force field around him and Waller, but the tentacles apparently squeeze it so tight it knocks him out. I guess they literally broke his will for a moment. I I guess. I mean, that's the only thing I can figure. And I think this is interesting because Waller goes to Green Lantern and turns him over, and she looks legitimately concerned. I mean, do you think she's learned to appreciate the League a bit at this point? What do you think, Cindy? I think it's one of the cases like, oh, crap, they're taking out the big guns and they're coming after me next. That's <laughs> <laughs> self-preservation. Well, that's true. What about you, Steve? I, you know, I think that Waller, as she is depicted in the series, I don't think she hates the Justice League, but she just says, but I think she's very practical and says, you all are getting out of control and we need a way to, we need a way to control you. Her flaw, which has always been her flaw in the comics is that she will make a deal with the devil in order to do what she thinks is right. Mm -hmm. And so she will go dark in order to, uh, you know, accomplish what she feels to be in for the greater good. Um, which is why she gets, uh, you know, tied up with Luther and uh, and among you know all the other things that happened, and you know the Ultimate and everything, everything that is questionable, she always does. I think for what she feels is a good reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like she's like wanting world domination. She's not trying to control things. She's not trying to kill people. She's trying to actually make the world a safer place, you know. And so it makes sense to me that she would be concerned about Green Lantern. This is probably one of my favorite moments in the in the episode because I just I liked the fact that he was that that John Stewart was, you know, uh, encasing him and himself and Amanda in the bubble and the tentacles. And I took it that he was using his, all his willpower to blast the tentacles because there's an explosion. And the tentacles that are surrounding the the bubble are destroyed. Mm. And I I thought that his willpower at that point that just took too much willpower from him to do all that 
take care of all those tentacles that that's what knocked him out okay mm, okay yeah you know what i mean yeah and like you're saying like the, the moment where she turns him over that's really kind of a nice little touch to have then they didn't have to have it there Mm-mm. you know they wouldn't have it, it's just a really nice moment to have yeah it kind of you know it's it's just a, it's just a look on her face that kind of yeah. it kind of puts you more on her side you know now 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 it's like okay now they're all everybody's on the same side against this thing you know which which i like it's it's a it's a nice little shorthand for that the tentacles grab the leaguers and take them high into the sky and brainiac coldly states you are defeated well that was a short episode I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> cue the theme song no <laughs> um of course brainiac tells him that any unique information they have will be digitized, their bodies will be d- deleted, which is also going to be the fate of the Earth per Brainiac's programming and the DCAU, which we mentioned. Uh, yeah, And then tendrils come from Brainiac's face and Lex's chest, and they strike all the leaguers, absorbing their memories painfully, and Flash is the last. <laughs> and I love his line, which is, <laughs> I am so willing to wait my turn. <laughs> So at this point, do you think Wally is making these quips to keep his courage up, a la Spider Man? Oh yeah, I think that's. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. That's that's kind of what he does in in this in the show. You know, he he makes these quips to, you know, I do like you said to keep his courage up. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it, it, and of course, it's also amusing for the, you know, for the audience too. Yeah. So it's <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, but uh, Jean ain't having it and yells no. Uh, he remembers he can go intangible, breaks free, and rips the tendrils from Brainiac's skull, which is in Luthor's chest. Uh, Brainiac says he was not yet prepared for this battle and turns tail. And I like that Jean gets a nice hero moment mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah. Because Jean, poor Jean's had to deal with all this stuff being up on the watchtower and, you know, and and had to get the, get the phone call from the president, you know. <laughs> hey, your space weapon went off, you know. Uh, ooh, sorry. Uh, oh, then here's in my notes. I called him Brainy Lex, so we're on the same page. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> very good. <laughs> yeah. Then Brainy Lex flies up to the top of the LexCorp tower, strikes the roof with his tendrils, and more tendrils begin to appear out of the building as the roof begins to give way, and Brainiac's skull ship emerges, and it looks just like the early '80s reboot Brainiac from the Superpowers, Superpowers. era. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what do you think of that, Steve? I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I have to tell you that my first introduction to Brainiac was the Superpowers era. Mm. And so that was, that's my Brainiac. Um, you know, I, I was aware of a, of a Brainiac as a Superman foe, but I never really saw or read any uh, stories with him in his like uh, Kaluan form. Or the the green bald headed green you know form, mm-hmm. and um, so that mechanical uh, version is the one I was always uh, uh, always uh, uh, was drawn to, and I always wanted them to make a Brainiac ship in the Superpowers line. Mm-hmm. You know, why don't give us the Dark Side Destroyer, which no one cared about? <laughs> give us the Brainiac ship, yeah, or the Lex. 
or the Lexor Seven. I mean, come on, give us, give us the brainy, give us the ships that are the vehicles that actually appear in the comics. How about that? I mean, it's a playset <laughs> and a vehicle all in one. So yeah, exactly. Why why didn't yeah. they? And it was in the comics that came with the the mm-hmm. figures. You know, the little the mini comics. So it's oh yeah. I was waiting for it too, man. I was like, oh yeah, they're yeah. gonna make Brainiac's ship. You know, and then the <laughs> series two goes all in on the fourth world, and then you know. Uh, so yeah, I mean it's I mean I still like series too, but it's like yeah I wanted that Brainiac ship yeah I I really loved the I you know I'd had comics with the classic Brainiac and then of course he was on mm-hmm. the Challenge of the Super Friends and everything but I really you know I I think it was like Action Five Forty Four I think's when they updated Luthor and Brainiac and I really loved that look and and just thought it was really cool and much of course very threatening looking sure uh, and, yeah and you know it's kind of odd how his form, his like robotic form like that, didn't really survive the crisis and hasn't really come back that much. Mm. But the ship has, you know, the ship has, yeah. like, you know, uh, they used it post-crisis. You know, I remember there was like a, when George Perez was drawing, and it's like coming up out of the ground, you know, and everything, then panic mm-hmm. in the sky. And uh, it's kind of weird, though, because we covered the Static Shock crossover, and Brainiac was a villain in that. Right. And he had a skull ship that looked more like the the animated series Brainiac head. Mm-hmm. So they've kind of already done this, but, you know, it was on Static Shock, not here. So, you know, so. Yeah. And this is a better, better look. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, in the animated series version, in my mind, always kind of morphed the two. The the hum, the green humanoid version and the more mechanical uh, android version where like he's not he looks human but he's you can definitely not like there's definitely more uh mechanical like the the brainiac that uh the humanoid version always seemed like more of like a mad scientist type Mm -hmm. to me yeah you know rather than a cold calculated computer who is going to integrate with his ship and you know going to you know uh be this purely logical being um and I know that's what he was supposed to be, so I don't want like friend uh, fans of like the Silver Age Brainiac to come at me about it. But um, but the 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 android one visually made it very clear. Oh, this is not a human being. This is a smarter version of the of the Terminator. <laughs> yeah, <know>? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember you know when when it it was kind of around the same time that the Terminator came out. It was kind of like mm-hmm. people were saying, wow, he looks like, this Terminator looks like the new Brainiac or vice versa. Although I think mm-hmm. Brainiac did debut like maybe a year before Terminator came out in that form. But yeah, it's it's Possibly. such a it's such a cool look, yeah. Uh, now, if, if only the Brainiac action figure in the Superpowers line didn't have an arm that would break off easily. Oh my that's... gosh. <laughs> if they'd only made it a little stronger. <laughs> yeah, and you've got to push his, squeeze his arms to make his computer kick work, right? Yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> it drove me nuts. Although, what I did, I learned, because I, I actually ended up getting like like three brainiacs that I broke them. <laughs> and the last one I, I finally figured out, okay, if I just squeeze the arm that, that works the mechanism, but put like my thumb on the waist and not on the other arm, it, I could still get it to kick. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? You're and smarter so it was than always, me. Yeah. It was, the other arm is the one that always broke and you're like, Oh, okay. 
I had two Brainiacs at least. Yeah. Uh, so I'm with you. Yeah. It's just yeah. <laughs> Dang. That's it. I think it was the, the kind of plastic that they you know because it was that kind of uh, vac metalized and yeah yeah it's mm-hmm. it, maybe it was made it more brittle than the usual yeah yeah. So, uh, Brainiac says now he's prepared and the ship starts blasting buildings. Uh, this is something we haven't brought up much, but what do you guys think of uh, the integration of the 3D CGI model, like the Brainiac ship and like the Javelin it, with the traditional 2D? What do you think of that, Cindy? Because you've watched all along. I mean, you can just, I mean, considering the time it was and stuff like that, it seems like a natural progression yeah, of it, the style. Yeah. Yeah. I, what do you think, Steve? I, you know, you could tell that it's 3D. Um, but it's one of those situations where, uh, for me, special effects, whether it's 3D or practical or whatever, is it working in the moment of the story? And I, those moments never bothered me. If, like, if I could tell that it's fake, I'm like, well, surprise, Steve, everything you're watching is fake. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah, but uh, but uh, it, it's, uh, you know, it, it never bothered me. I, I was like, oh, they 3D'd the ship or whatever. And, and I'm sure it was for a more practical reason, like it was easier to maneuver in a 3D space or a 3D generated one than it was to actually draw it and animate it, you know. Yeah. Um, but but it never bothered me. Yeah, I thought it worked. Yeah, I, I, I never had a problem with it. And in fact, you know, it's it when you have those 3D models, it does kind of solve the problem. I remember there was some episodes of the Batman the Animated Series where the original Batmobile almost looked like it was, you know, Plastic Man had disguised himself as the Batmobile. Oh, yes. Because it was literally <laughs> yeah. stretching around corners and things like that, you know. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, so yeah, I, I kind of get why they did it. It doesn't bother me at all, yeah. Uh, this fight is pretty short, though, with Superman, Green Lantern, Shira, uh, Jean, and Wonder Woman pounding the crap out of the ship. Uh, Superman and Green Lantern cut it in half with heat vision and power ring beams, and it crashes into the streets of Metropolis. Mm-hmm. Uh, considering what just happened in New Mexico, maybe they should have been a little more cognizant of potential casualties and property damage. And what do you guys think? Well, old, old Wayne Enterprise is going to be writing some more checks. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you mean casualties? No one ever dies in the DCAU. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Uh, it, but where is everyone? Where is everyone in Metropolis right now? There's like nobody in the streets. There's like the, the city's like deserted. I did notice that. They have they moved out. They can't afford to live there anymore because <laughs> the insurance premiums. They can't do that. I mean, the, the city's getting destroyed like every week. You know, they can't live there anymore. Right. That's <laughs> hey. That makes perfect sense. Actually, yeah. <laughs> Lois, Lois is like, we work for a newspaper in a city where no one lives anymore. What is the point? <laughs> <laughs> There's nobody at the houses that the kids are throwing the papers at. What's the point? Uh, uh, at the crash site, Batman points out that that was too easy. And Shire is put out, but Superman says he's right. Uh, and he says Brainiac suckered them. Uh, nice distraction there, Brainiac. Pull out the skull ship. I mean, it got all us fanboys going, ooh, yay, you know. So. <laughs> uh, Brainy Lex emerges in a sewer several miles away so he can make repairs to his systems. Lex asks where he fits into all this. And Brainiac gives him the usual, I record your information and destroy you, blah, 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 spiel, you know. Uh, and it's, I think it's, you know, of course, Clancy Brown, his wonderful voice, he just laughs and asks, what happens if he succeeds, gathering all the info on Earth, 
and then destroying it in Brainiac's he'll continue that mission across the universe absorbing all information and destroying everything in creation and Lex questions what then and he says his program is complete and his function is fulfilled uh, and Lex points out with all his knowledge he'll be a god and Brainiac says his program will be complete it's the end of all things and this is where Lex Luthor shines because he pitches that could be just the beginning. He proposes showing him a function beyond the fulfillment of your programming. Ever the flatterer, Brainiac states, it is extremely unlikely that your inferior human intellect has anything to offer me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that had to hurt Lex's ego. You know, I mean, it's Lex Luthor. Of course it did. So, uh, Despite the horror show he's become, Lex still has a bit of a sense of humor. He said, since we've become so close, I'm going to let that pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and all of this reminds me of Gene Hackman's Lex negotiating with General Zod in mm-hmm. Superman Two. You know, mm-hmm. I, was, I was almost waiting for Lex to go Australia. You know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what is it that you want, Lex Luthor? Australia. You know, so, uh, <laughs> Lex says he has something to offer Brainiac, which he's always lacked: imagination. I've got a proposition for you, partner. Only Lex could invent, convince an evil AI that has possessed his body to go along with his plan. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? You got to give it to Lex, who, you know, he's gone through this horrific transformation. He, he had a parasite living on his body that he didn't know was there, and then suddenly he's taken over, taking him over, mm-hmm. and he's now uh, trying to turn the situation around to his own advantage. I mean, you got to respect that. Yeah. You have to respect that anyone who can pull that off. Yeah, I mean, you really do, and I mean, not to leap ahead, but I think that's one particular reason why, you know, the actual finale of of this series. While Lex plays the part he does, they know what he's good at, you know, and mm-hmm. and it it comes, you know, it 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 comes back around again. This same kind of negotiation mm-hmm. with these omnipotent alien beings that are going to destroy the world, you know. Sure, I, I know. Don't, so don't, you're jumping ahead. I'm jumping ahead too much. I know. <laughs> uh, back at the uh, LexCorp Tower, Shire and Batman surmise that Brainy Lex will go after the Dark Heart, which the League defeated and Cadmus confiscated. Of course, that's from the episode Dark Heart, uh, which they first used the big fusion cannon and got General Eiling all upset. Waller admits they never got any of it to work, and I love Batman says, Are you willing to bet Brainiac can't? Right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Brainy Lex breaks into the Cadmus vault where the nano spiders. From the Dark Heart are stored, Brainiac adds the nanotech to his own programming and takes command of the assemblers, saying they'll convert raw material into anything he commands, which is very convenient. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, but that's what they do. We That's been established. So, it's what another great callback. I mean, like, so many things, like, nothing, nothing is left, you know, everything that's, you know, plot thread that's been left around can be sewed into <laughs> the episode, which is, which is great. I think I just, I love, I love how the show does that. Yeah. Uh, when Lex tries to show Brainiac his plan, Brainiac points out his, after his encounter with dark side, that organic beings cannot be trusted again. Brainiac, this Brainiac, even though he's been dormant mm. inside Lex for years, 
is aware of Brainiac's encounter with Darkseid, which is, again, very interesting. That was probably one of my favorite lines in the, in the show. Lex immediately agrees with him. He's like, I can't argue with that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. sorry, I didn't mean to jump on your on your next on your part, but I was like, yeah, I love that. That's Lex. That's just you know, it's great. Yeah, and I mean, Lex knows he's like the scum of humanity, so he ought to know that you can't trust <laughs> you can't trust humanity, right? He's like one of the worst people on the planet, right? So, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he says if they are one, trust won't be an issue, and Brainiac agrees. Again, man, Lex is so good. I mean, just I, it's it's he's. <laughs> I mean, you know, Brainiac could have very easily just have, you know, taken, you know, probably just ripped out of his body at this point, Point, you know, sure, yeah, and left him just a sack, you know, just. Mm -hmm. But uh, no, he's he's convinced him. So uh, Brainiac lashes out his tendrils, turns the nano spiders into techno goo, which then spreads over his body, covering him. When it subsides, we have what a lot of fans have dubbed, as we mentioned, Luthoriac. I guess that's how you say that. Uh, the true melding of the two in a new form. So what do we think about this look? What do you think about it, Steve? I think it is... I wish they'd made... Did they ever make an action figure of this? I, I don't think they did. I don't think they did, but I okay. I have gotten foggy about what they made and what they haven't made. So they, oh, I, don't, got it. I don't think they had, did, though. I, I thought it was a really cool design, and I thought, despite the coloring being different, it was actually a... There were... There were uh, vestiges of the the 80s armor that luther had mm-hmm. uh but going back to the the redo that uh he and brainiac went through in the in the early 80s you know that the fi- idea of like that armor you know and even with the little like uh the neck piece that would come up around you know the little mm-hmm. um you know th- there were there there was there was hints of that you know so i was like all right this is cool i like this you know yeah I, I liked it. I, what did you think about it, Cindy? Oh, I found it was cool. Yeah, it's it. I I got that you know superpowers era Luthor you know from the new mm-hmm. the new look and 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 it it also feels like uh, the gold version of Amazo, which makes sense too mm-hmm. because you know oh the, true yeah the godlike Amazo after he turns gold. So I mean that's kind of the point what they're after, right? So I kind of like that even though they didn't end up using the the robot body he built. Uh, it's uh, Everything just seems to mesh. It's a it's a really nice it's a really nice design. And yeah, I wish there was a action figure of it. If there is one, and we miss because the line got kind of crazy when it became like you had to order them through Mattel, and oh yeah, and it was such a pain in the neck to order them through Mattel. So, <laughs> uh, you know, we'll you know maybe it's out there. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, uh, Luthoriac plans to build a machine to absorb all knowledge on Earth in a single stroke. So basically, he's going to make Wikipedia. <laughs> but hopefully more accurate yeah right right <laughs> uh, and then every time you know every time he tries to do it there'll be a thing that comes up and says please donate to Wikipedia we don't get any money out of this so we need your help <laughs> yeah. uh, as he monologues about the galaxy and the entire universe the room changes around him everything becomes black with circuit board like designs this episode is kind of more esoteric than usual. You know, it's it's kind of more, you know, it's just like the visuals are kind of like letting you know what's going on. I mean, there's a lot of dialogue, but it's like what's going on is kind of, kind of, you know, it is kind of out there and, and 
they, they like again they just use visuals kind of like a shorthand like oh well I understand he's making this more computer like and every you know he's basically absorbing everything into his programming uh, and he's Brainiac is now speaking or sorry Luthoriac is now the combination of Clancy Brown and Corey Burton reading the lines at the same time yeah which I think is a really nice touch. And they say, we'll remake the universe. Everyone is always wanting to remake the universe. Dark Side, Parallax, Thanos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, should have just kept the receipt and returned it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, here, I have a question. What do you guys, maybe you know the answer to this, or maybe you have a good guess. I always thought that was a really good effect to have Corey Burton and Clancy Brown reading the lines together. I wonder how they pulled that off. Did they have one of them record first and then the other one recorded like along with that track or were they in the studio together to kind of figure out how to, you know, say the lines together? I don't know. Um, but I, I, how, how did, I wonder how they put it in such good sync is what I'm wondering. Yeah. I, the, the only thing I can figure is, they probably my my guess would be not that not that Clancy Brown is he's done a lot of voiceover work especially since Superman the animated series of course he's Mr. Krabs you know yes true I think yeah. my God he's Mr. Krabs uh, but Corey Burton is like a veteran voiceover actor that's kind of what he does mm-hmm. period you know so my my guess is they probably had Clancy Brown read the lines and then Corey Burton's probably a really good mimic because I know he's done. He's filled in for like when they change rides at like Disney World. Like the, he's filled in for uh, uh, you know on the Haunted Mansion. He's like mimicked the uh, uh, Paul Souls, the ghost host. Uh, Paul Freeze, sorry, Paul Freeze, the ghost host. He's he can mimic his voice, and he's like when they had to change like you know different things about like the cue and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing he's probably he matched what Clancy Brown was saying. That that'd be my guess, but I have no idea. So, oh, okay. Got yeah, it. Yeah. That's just an educated guess. So <laughs> it makes sense. Makes sense. On their way to Cadmus and the Javelin, Jean calls a watchtower for reinforcements and Steel, who is banged up, out of armor and on crutches. Uh thank God he's still alive after the beating he took right? last episode. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> uh poor John Henry. He tells him all the javelins are wrecked and the teleporters are still down. We see Creeper and Dr. Light sing to Commander Steele, who is laying on the floor while fire helps a wounded ice walk. I have to wonder how good Creeper is at, you know, trying to help. Right. <laughs> trying to help. He's a little nut bar. An injured person. Yeah. Oh. Is he tickling his nose with his feather boa going, wake up, wake up, come on. <laughs> Wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey or something, you know. As, as we've established, the DCAU Creeper is actually nuts, you know. So, uh, mm. Jean says the transporters hardly seem worth it sometimes. I agree. They hardly ever work on this show. Mm. You know, the Suicide Squad beams up through them, you know, all, all sorts of all bad stuff happens with the, the our teleporters. I'm sorry. Shag corrected me. On Justice League... They're teleporters on Star Trek. They're transporters. I'm sorry, teleporters. Sorry. <laughs> what does he say? Teleporters or does he say transporters? I think he says uh, in the episode. I think he says teleporters. Oh, I, okay, all right. Yeah, I think it's just we're so used to that being called a transporter. I just kind of in my mm-hmm. mind say, well, it's a transporter, you know. But I think somewhere along the line, somebody at DC decided, well, let's not call them transporters. We don't want the Star Trek people. 
coming you know, for you. Coming for us or something. <laughs> uh, so Jean calls out to all available leaguers on Earth and Green Arrow, still in New Mexico, apparently, uh, helping with all the damage but no casualties, mm-hmm. uh, responds there at least an hour away. So the seven are on their own. But why can't Supergirl fly down to meet them? <laughs> Yeah, good point. You know, because she already had her episode, right? So, <laughs> uh, of course, Cadmus HQ is a high-rise building in Washington D.C. That seems like a major security risk, guys. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, they had Doomsday in the previous Cadmus locked up. What have they got in this building that Brainiac destroys? That's what I want to know. You know, it's like, and it's in the nation's capital. I I don't think that's, I mean, you know, I think like in the desert somewhere in some mountain mm-hmm. range or something would be a lot better than like literally steps away from the Capitol building in the White House. You know, I mean, come on. Okay. But, hey, crazier things have happened in Washington. That's, that's true. <laughs> yeah, you know it. Yeah. Uh, Superman's X-ray vision can't penetrate the walls, but he's picking up increased heat, heat signatures in the infrared range. And then Wonder Woman it says she can even feel it, and then the building explodes on cue, which well, I thought course, yeah. was a nice touch. Yeah, uh, in its place, a giant tower rises with components materializing from the nano goo, and then like fitting into place. It's like it's like Brainiac's building a Lego set, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, they fit right into place and activate, and below is the form of Luthoriac in an energy sphere being generated by an advanced machine, it seems. He looks up and says, Welcome, Justice League. You are just in time for the end of the world. Cue the REM and cut to commercial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Superman calls out, I know you're in there, Lex. Fight him. Uh, and I love how Lex responds, and it's still both of their voice, but it's kind of like, it seems like Clancy Brown's kind of taking the lead here. He's like, you're right, I am in here, and I like it. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so no help from Lex here. No. Uh, humanity can kiss his butt, uh, you know. <laughs> Thinking you're above everyone for decades finally convinces you that you really are, apparently, mm-hmm. I, I guess, so, you know. <laughs> And this kind of these kind of matches. I remember, you know, in the Spider Man. Uh, I, I think, uh, unless I got this backward, I think in the super, in the Superman Spider Man crossover, like Lex was willing like to destroy the Earth, and then Doc Ock was like, "You can't destroy the Earth. All my stuff is there." You know, basically, he, he turns on him <laughs> in the fight. You know, so I, I think that I think it's the way it is, and not the other way around. But yeah, so, uh, but yeah, I, I like that. It's like you know, yeah, Lex is got everything he wants he says he's got power ultimate knowledge immortality superman asking is he willing to destroy the earth to get it it's a business superman there's always trade-offs so yeah that is cold uh yeah <laughs> what do you think of that that's colder than anything brainiac has ever said mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right <laughs> brainiac didn't have parents and you know like a yeah. family and yeah exactly it's like yeah blue thor is a real piece of work i'll put it that way in this series (laughs) but i mean you know it fits with the way i mean he's just he's he's got this chance at absolute power and it's already corrupted him you know you know but the the human power he had has corrupted him now he's got inhuman power at his fingertips of course he's going to go for it so and i love what shira says 
Less talking, more hitting. <laughs> That's the hot girl we know and love. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> she's been very much more contemplative and, you know, she's very, you know, with her, you know, her. Introspection. Introspective. Sure. Where's, where's my place in, in two worlds? I'm an outcast in both worlds that I live in, you know, but. But when things you know comes down to the nitty gritty, she still reverts back to bash with with mace, you know, which which I like. Yeah, uh, he says they can't be allowed to interfere at this delicate stage and blast hot girl. Then he creates some drones that look like the classic DCAU Brainiac. But then I'm guessing Lex influences a change in their plan. No, 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 we can do better than that. And then the drones turn into. The, the Justice, Justice Lords, Lords. <laughs> and we finally, yeah, and we finally see Justice Lords Flash. And who does Flash look like, Steve? The Reverse Flash. Yes. <laughs> what do you think about that? <laughs> uh, it makes sense, you know. Um, I'm, although in the Justice uh, Lords timeline or their universe. The Flash was dead before they went over to the other side, right? If I remember correctly from the episodes. Yeah, he. Right? That's were, what pushed him yeah. over. Yeah, they were in yeah. their classic uniforms when Superman roasted President yeah. Lex. Yeah. yeah. So this makes me think this must be a complete fabrication of Luthor or Luthoriac or whatever you want to call him. Yeah. Of like what the Justice Lord version of Flash would have looked like. Uh, and so it makes sense. And, of course, visually they make it, you know, uh, the reverse flash. Although the lightning in bolt insignia is in the, going in the wrong direction. That's just me being a nitpicky nerd, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> it's not going in reverse, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, and they made an action figure of that. Actually, they made, like, Justice Lords figures that have the little dots and little circuit yeah. things all over them, as well as the regular Justice Lords. So. Uh, so you can, you know, if you if you find a Justice Lord figure that's got those little dots on it, there's it's not some kid that went in with a marker. No, it's that's, that's what, what it's from. Yeah. It's from this scene, yeah, uh, and yeah, but they did they did make cool. the the Flash, so yeah, I, mm-hmm. I like that. And and the Justice Lords hurt just as much with their words as their fists, which I think is great. Lord Superman yeah. says we've lost our trust. The people are afraid of us. Power corrupts after all, and who has more power than Superman? That's why he's beating the stuffing out of our Superman, who's on the ropes. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, he's literally being confronted with everything that he's dealt with this season. And really, mm-hmm. since he met the Justice Lord mm-hmm. Superman. Uh, Lord Hawkgirl asked if the the real Shire, if there's a single person on Earth or Thanagar that doesn't despise them. And Green Lantern brings up, we love the traitor. Loved and lost her forever. Uh, and I know you have thoughts on these two, Cindy. All I got to say is, you know, get it together. You know they're going to get together. Just, you know. <laughs> they got a Warhawk to make, right? Yeah. <laughs> just go get locked in a room somewhere and don't come out to your bed. Yeah. <laughs> well, Vixen might have something to say about that. It's, yeah, it's done. Yeah. <laughs> you can't fight um, destiny, right? Well, no. the, it's the whole thing. I mean, you know, think about it. You know. Please remember, you were dating my best friend, and she broke up with you, and I was trying to get you two back together. And then I'm like, wait a minute, I'm keeping him. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, Is that literally what happened between the two of you? Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But she, 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 she dropped him. She jumped me. 
And then me and, yeah. me and Cindy had been talking, and, and we started, you know, talking more and stuff. But she kind of, like, done the same. Not you weren't dating, but you were friends. She kind of. Yeah, she had backed off from backed me, off. too. She was, so. she was a kind of strange person. But uh, so, Cindy, are, are you the Shire or the Vixen in this scenario? <laughs> I'm keeping him forever. <laughs> Does that make Andrew Warhawk? <laughs> What about Danny? Who's she? She's gonna be like, what? What are we gonna call her? Like, uh, what's a uh, like uh, war chick? I don't know. I don't know. What's... Oh, she's smarter than all of us. Oh, so, I know. She's know. she's she's brainy brainy hawk or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, back to the episode. Sorry. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, where was I at? I'm off now. Sorry, you uh, asked. I know. Uh, that... <laughs> So reverse flash, for lack of a better word, is really giving Wally a hard time. He calls him slacker, child, clown. We have no place here among the world's greatest heroes. And I, I love Wally's rebuttal. What do, what do you think about it, Steve? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's well, it's classic Wally. It's he is coming back. What he's saying is is the truth, but it's funny. Yeah, you know, uh, and uh, I just loved it, and I love the fact that he's the first one to take down his justice Lord version. Like he's uh, in, in the sequence of the fight there, he just vibrates his hand and, and tears the guy, tears the thing apart, you know? Yeah. Um, and you know, it just the whole, I, he says something like, um, I have a seat at the table. I'm going to paint my insignia on the chair. Yeah. You know, I'm like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's flash. <laughs> Yeah, and I wish they had followed it up in later episodes of like having like the perfect insignias of, of all the the course of the of six of them, and like flashes is definitely painted on. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that would have been that would have been a neat little <laughs> callback there. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that too, and of course that's a that's a nice callback to the you know different versions of the league over the years that they had the logos on their chairs, and mm-hmm. and I it made me think of the pocket heroes that DC put out the DC direct put out that they, they come out with like Jean came with the justice league table. that had the classic logo on it and all the sure, chairs had yeah. their logos on the back. So it made me think of that. Yeah. I, I, I love that mm-hmm. line. Yeah. Uh, of course, Batman's already had his confrontation with his counterpart who he turned to his side. So he just blows him up with batarangs. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, he has no existential crisis to deal with mm-hmm. here. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Superman is beating his copy, saying he's nothing like him. Then it changes into Lex, who says, This is the part where you kill me, right? Go ahead. Use your heat vision. You know you want to. Uh, Superman backs away. Then the robot changes back into the Justice Lord. But Wonder Woman grabs him with her lasso and slams him into her counterpart. She suggests they switch dance partners. I, I like that this this Wonder Woman stepping in like being the den mother. Yeah. You know, she's mm-hmm. in den mother mode here, which... <laughs> She's like, okay, let's let's quit. Let's not let these guys get in our head. You bash me, and I'll bash you, and we'll all be good. You know. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, speaking of bashing, Green Lantern repeatedly smashes the Hot Girl robot with a ring <laughs> construct mallet, and Shira points out, "You enjoyed that a little too much." <laughs> he smiles and says, "Just letting off some steam. She broke my heart, you know." Then Shire decapitates the Green Lantern robot with her mace. Likewise, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should they thank Luthoriac for this therapy session? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I want to know where I can get my own robot. Oh, you want a Chris robot so you can bash it with? Oh, nice. Or chop my head off. You know, that's nice. Great. I love it. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> 
Wow. Doesn't she punch you? Doesn't she punch you in the arm anyway? That's... I mean, don't you have like the the target arm or something? Yeah, dude, she hasn't done no, that much lately. No. Oh, okay. It's kind of like you know when a character does her catchphrase too much. It's kind of like when Sheldon quit saying Bazinga because he knew they were putting it on T-shirts, so he quit doing it. It's kind of that. Got that, it. You know. Oh, so. okay. Got it. <laughs> uh, the leaguers rush Luthoriak, but he blasts nearly all of them down. He wonders now where is Wonder Woman, and he looks up. And uh, what's Wonder Woman doing? She's throwing the javelin at his machine tower. Just like Supergirl threw, threw it before. No, I, that was uh, Adam Smasher. Threw it at uh, uh, Long Shadow, right? Right, 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 right. right, right. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, people like to throw javelins. Javelin. <laughs> like a javelin, as Dr. Ange pointed out. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's an incredibly badass moment. It was mm-hmm. a great moment for Wonder Woman. And it reminded me of um, the uh, storyline in Grant Morrison's uh, run on Justice League where he uh, – the angel war that they had. I can't remember the name of the of the storyline. But she – the angels from heaven have come down and are warring against uh, humanity – and she basically grabs the the ship or the the thing that they're in and 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 holds it and tilts it or something. So I was like, oh, that's a really interesting callback. You know, just it reminded me of that. Just that moment of her just taking this big vessel and just launching it as a uh, you know as a missile. Yeah, that's a that's mm-hmm. I had thought forgot about that. But yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. That's the, when they introduced Zoriel and all that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That oh man, I gotta go back and read the Morrison era. That man, those are some good comics. Yeah, even, oh yeah, good stuff. Even though you got to deal with Electric Blue Superman during some of the best parts of it, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> other, yeah. Other, Electric Boogaloo, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Flash, who was the only one not directly hit, gets up first. He sees Luthoriak emerge from the rubble. And he says, you lose, but then tendrils grab him and turn into U.S. military soldiers. And I remember when this happened, I'm like, oh, crap. Because uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we all know, if you've been watching this storyline, you know where this is going. Yep. Uh, he tells Flash Harley, look around you, the Justice League is completely defeated. He calls him a speck and forms a shotgun from his arm. I'm still just human enough to enjoy taking my revenge. He cocks the gun, and we close in on his shadow, approaching Flash's head as we cut to commercial. And, who oh boy, now we are full circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I remember getting really worried at this point. I mean, I didn't figure they'd kill Flash, especially with a shotgun blast to the head. Right. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, man, they, were, they, keep, they keep teasing this, and now here it is, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's kind of like, how are they going to get out of this now? Like, now they've led up to this moment. What's going to happen next? And yeah, what they do next is phenomenal. Looks at, at Lex says, uh, sorry, Luthoriak says, looks like the question was right all along. I kill you and then Armageddon right on schedule. There's definitely enough Lex in there to be relishing this moment. Oh, yeah. Obviously, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Flash vibrates free and stands up before the towering figure of Luthoriak. And I love how he... He, he he disses him here, which he's going to regret that here in a minute. But he says, are you going to fight me, boy? He calls him boy. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. And Flash pauses, looks at him, then turns and speeds away. I remember thinking, what the, you know, 
he's he's really going to run. He's going to turn around, right? You know, yeah. I mean, I, so how'd you guys feel in the moment the first time you saw this, Steve? First time I saw that, I was like, what's Wally up to? Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't think he was going to be a coward and run away. That's not Wally. That wasn't, at least not Wally as he's being depicted in the series. Right. And I kept thinking, what is he going to go get help? What's he, what's his plan? You know, what's he going to do here? Um, because Wally, you know, despite being the jokester, you know, and, and he actually is pretty smart. Mm-hmm. If you remember from the Justice Lords episode storyline, he outsmarts their Batman. Yes. You know, <laughs> and, and you know, that is that's not insignificant. Um, and so I was thinking at the time, Wally is going to be doing something here. What are they going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Me too. What about you? Oh, definitely. I knew that I, I knew he wasn't going to be a coward. No, I, I didn't think that. I just I, I, I was like, I didn't expect, though. I thought he was going to come back, probably try again. And then he then he was going to get defeated and they probably let Superman wrap mm-hmm. things up. Mm, okay. But no. <laughs> no, 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 no indeed. No. Luthoriac <laughs> begins rebuilding this machine, levitating its parts. When he notices something, a high pitched whirring sound and a cloud of dust coming at him, and the flash races past him, knocking into him and breaking some of his gold armor, revealing some of Lex's flesh beneath. He races away, but comes back and hits him again. We then see Flash running, picking up speed. He essentially becomes lightning, uh, races Mm -hmm. across the world and back, building up momentum for each hit. We see all sorts of different locales from his POV, including the pyramids, uh, before he comes back and smacks Luthoriak again. So how hard were you cheering during this scene, Steve? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I I was... So I was fanboying so much over this uh, moment because I was like, I mean, they never, I never felt like they were ever disrespecting the Flash, but this was the first time he was showing himself as being on par with Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman in terms of his ability to take down a a gigantic bad guy. I mean, if you look at Flash's rogues gallery and we meet some of them later on in a, in a, in a future episode, they're kind of like, I don't want to say jokes, but they're kind of harmless losers, you know, yeah. at least as depicted in, in the, in the animated series. And I think there's a, a poetic justice in having no pun intended, uh, and having flash be the one to take down uh, Luthoriac because you have that line, Luther calls him boy. Are you going to try to fight me, boy? It's clear that Flash, at least from Luther's perspective, is the lesser of the seven. He's the least of the seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, 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 you know, he knows that uh, Batman's formidable. He certainly knows that Superman's formidable. He sees Flash as a joke, which also, if you think about like what his Justice Lord version was taunting him with, you're a joke, you're a clown. Well, that's all coming from Luthoriac because he's in control of it. Mm-hmm. To have have that character then turn around and defeat him, I think is, like I said, poetic justice, and it's probably more of an insult to Luthor to have. Um, I was taken down by the Flash, the idiot of the of the group. 
you know? And so I was like, yeah, yeah, of course you did because you totally underestimated him and you got your ass handed to you like you should have. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> what about you, Cindy? What do you think first time we watched it? I mean, it was kind of weird, weird because you think about it. Michael Rosenbaum, of course, famously played the flash on small I mean, excuse me luther on smallville so he's kind of mm-hmm. taken down himself yeah <laughs> so you know it's still playing him at this time right yeah, right yeah, that's yeah. right well they, of course the, to me the whole thing about this particular these this particular cadmus arc and everything else to me you have green arrow who is of course our point of view character he is our old liberal He's lived, he's seen stuff, he knows stuff, everything else. You have the Flash, you have Wally, who is our new liberal. Mm. He's about two or three years in, you know, say he's like a, he's not a freshman college kid, but he's about, you know, sophomore, junior in college. He's not fully minted. He's still idealistic enough. He sees everything as bright and shiny. Mm -hmm. And that's how he's able to defeat Luther because, Luthor, sorry, he is able to come at it with a new directive. He's not doing same old, same old. He's willing to try something different, and therefore he's able to defeat the old guard. Oh, nice. <laughs> that, is, that is a fantastic assessment, uh, Cindy. I really I love that. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah I've, I have nothing to add to that. That's great. <laughs> I agree. I'll, I'll buy your, I'll subscribe to your newsletter uh, with that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's I, I love it. I, the only thing that and I love the visuals. I mean, it's oh, yes. the way Sweet. they portray the path, the, the speed, the yeah. speed. It's like the POV shot of all the different locales he's he's, sure. he's speeding through. And the only thing that would and I love the music. Don't get me wrong, but just for in my heart of hearts, whenever the Flash ramps up his power, I I, I even though I was a Flash fan way before. I hear the Danny Elfman, Shirley Walker music from the <laughs> yes. John Wesley Ship series. Yeah. So if yeah. they just went dun 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 you know, if they'd done yeah. that, I mean, that would have put it even. I would have like wet myself probably. I mean, just... kind of like you did when uh, Captain America got Mjolnir. Yeah, exactly. I would have. Yeah, you know, jumped into the middle of the movie theater. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, although I will tell you this, I made a note about the music and the theme that was playing, or the music that was playing at the time. What it was communicating to me is that something serious was going to happen. Um, like, oh, he's he's. I I could tell he's going too far. Like mm-hmm. he is, he's, he's using too much of his speed. Of course, I'm also bringing to bear my own knowledge about the flash and what happens when he goes too fast. But the, the, the music was giving me kind of that, that underscoring of like, yeah, he's beating the bad guy, but there's something else going on here. I, I, I'd have to listen to it again to be able to pinpoint exactly what, but I remember having that feeling from the music. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. not as much like a heroic like I'm saving the day. It's it's kind of yeah. like it's like an epic kind of like yeah, I'm I'm saving the day but at at a cost of myself kind of like it's got Exactly. That, yeah. Exactly. That's the feeling I got. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So Flash moves so fast he wrecks the pavement in Japan, causing cars to lift off the streets. He parts the sea like Moses, which I think's cool. Uh Luthoriac <laughs> is repeatedly battered by these high-speed hits. And more and more of his gold armor is ripped away. And finally, Flash stops, and lightning is circulating all around him, which I think is great. He vibrates his hands, and he shoves them 
into Luthoriak's chest, and Luthoriak screams in pain as energy begins to seemingly pour out of him. So what do you guys actually think he's doing here? Is he vibrating the molecules of the nanotech so quickly it can't repair itself, therefore destroying it? Is he bending time to undo things? What do you think he's doing, Steve? Yes to all of that. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know what? I think either one of those explanations is is plausible in regards to the Flash. Um, so yeah, yeah, either one. <laughs> okay. Okay. For me, for me, the end result was what's important here is that this this bad guy who had taken down all the other leaguers is being completely literally ripped apart mm-hmm. by by the flash and how however he's doing it i'm sure i bet you right now if wally was here and we asked him he wouldn't know how he did it yeah <laughs> you know? i figured i'd vibrate really fast because that usually works you know <laughs> yes, exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh the League awakened to the sight of Flash defeating Luthoriak and a lot of floating debris. He's also creating, he's almost like creating a singularity, it seems, because mm-hmm. stuff like stuff's mm-hmm. floating. And there's a huge explosion, and then in a crater, Flash, still vibrating and crackling with all this electricity, stands over a naked but very human Lex Luthor. So me and Cindy over the years have kind of questioned, well, how did he get his his body back, his skin fixed, you know? But Brainiac cured his cancer and gave him super strength, so I guess he fixed him up before he coated him in gold and all that. Because you kind of see his form, like when he's got the goo on him from the nano sure, spiders. Yeah. He kind of goes back into a humanoid form before he convalesces into the gold. So I, that's my no prize for it. So that's why Lex <laughs> doesn't have like big hanging flaps of skin for arms now, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, that definitely makes sense. We're yeah. doing that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> if indeed that is the real Luthor and not Brainiac in hiding. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think so because based on what the next season is, but. True, and, true. And what Lex's whole purpose the next season is, but, you know, you never know. Flash looks at his hands and the debris floating in front of him, and he says, I feel kind of funny. Uh, which I think it's like the understatement of the year. You know? yeah. It's just mm-hmm. like, and Superman mm-hmm. reaches toward him and he just disappears. Uh, Wonder Woman calls out to him, but he's gone. And the league are all shell shocked at the seeming loss of their friend. I mean, I love the pan across them all. They're just, they're, I mean, even Batman's jaws like, uh, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. and, but Lex begins to laugh. What do you know? I did kill him. Ooh. <laughs> and that was the wrong thing to say. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because Superman <laughs> glowers at Lex, who responds, I was mistaken earlier. I think this is the part where you kill me. Uh, <laughs> and I remember like thinking, I know they weren't going to have Superman kill Lex, but at the same time, Superman grabs Lex by the throat, lifts him in the air, and his eyes glow red, which I do not like the angry Superman's eyes are always glowing red. I, mm-hmm. I hate that, but this time it's warranted, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. so I don't mind it here. Uh, Wonder Woman rushes toward him to intervene, but Batman stops her. Now, we know what happens, but do you think Batman stopped her so Superman could have that definitive moment and prove to himself and everyone else that he wasn't like his Justice Lord counterpart? Or do you think he was going... To let Superman do whatever he thought was best in the moment. Mm, <laughs> what do you good think, question. Steve? 
Uh, I think Batman... I think Batman had his own opinion about what needed... I don't think he would have killed Luther. Yeah. I don't think um, uh, him, himself, because he, that's not his code, uh, at least in the animated universe. In other universes, apparently not, but in yeah. this one, no. <laughs> right, right. Um, and I, but I think knowing how Batman's depicted in, in the animated universe, he would look at Superman and say, it has to be his choice. Yeah. Like if Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman is strong enough where she could stop Superman from killing Luther if she if she wanted to, but her stopping Superman from doing that wouldn't have resolved the issues that Superman was facing at that moment. Like he needed to make that choice: Are you going to be the Lord Superman, or are you going to be the hero you've been all along? Yeah. You know, that's that's that moment you know that he needed to have. Yeah, I I agree. What about you, Cindy? Mm-hmm. I don't agree. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think Batman. I I think if I think Batman had confidence in Superman that he wasn't going to kill Lex, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like you said, he had the Superman had to make that call. And yeah, exactly. It, but he felt like Superman was going to make the call he made because he knows him. So sure, uh, sure. Yeah, Superman. But, you know, for a moment there, you're like, is he going to do it? Yeah. <laughs> Do you smell something burning again? You know, oh, oh man! Uh, Superman eyes go back to normal, and he lowers Lex, looking at him right in the eyes and saying, "I'm not the man who killed President Luthor. Right now, I wish to heaven that I were, but I'm not." Uh, so finally, we can lay this all to rest because he really could have just ended him here with honestly mm-hmm. no consequences. Nobody would have thought twice about it. Waller would have covered up anything that she mm-hmm. needed to. But I, I, I like this resolution. And I'm sure you guys do too. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't want Superman killing anybody. Uh, but you know, and, and especially in a situation like this where it's just cold blooded murder. Uh, but but I, I like the fact though, they make him conflicted about it. I like the fact that they make him want to do it. Yeah. Like, you know, you have killed my friend. You've killed someone who who Superman I guess would view as an innocent. I mean, as you're going as you were saying before, uh, Cindy, you know, Flash is you know the young, still the young up and coming hero, and Superman has always been very protective of those types of of the heroes who were in that in that mm-hmm. group, and you know, the fact that Superman wants to kill Luther, you can. Or Luthor. I don't know who's going to. Are people going to come at me for saying Luther versus Luthor? I mean, what are we going <laughs> to? No, it's okay. Uh, oh, okay. And if they oh, do, it's... we'll say, hey, hey guys, you know, it's it's okay. Calm down. <laughs> we, we all know how it's spelled, but if we want to say Luther, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, is, is Luthor your preference, Chris? I usually say Luthor. Oh, but, okay, got But that's just. Anyway, yeah. Sorry for the sidetrack there. But anyway, I love that Superman is conflicted about it. And that's what makes the moment so powerful. You know, it's not him just saying, I'm going to do the right thing no matter what. It's like, I really wish I could put laser beams through your head right now, but I can't do that. It wouldn't be right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that's, I mean, I think that's what makes, you know, and and that's why people not to get into it, but that's why people have a problem with certain depictions of Superman who, choose to you know not to mm-hmm. not to do not to be uh you know choose to take a life when they're you know even when it seems like there's no alternative you know superman sure. should be able to come up with an alternative right but you know i don't know but 
yeah, again, great resolution for Superman's dilemma here. Uh, Jean then calls out that Flash is still alive because he's in telepathic contact with him, but his spirit is growing weaker. And Shira looks around, and a portal opens before her, and Flash calls out uh, to Shira and tells her it's so beautiful here, and he says there's a force, a speed force. It's calling me home. I have to go now. So we take it for granted now, but the speed force had never been touched on outside mm-hmm. of the comics in any in any other media. So what did you think of this, Steve? Uh, well, I knew that's what happened to him. As soon as I saw him disappear uh, and, and the, how fast he was going, I was like, oh, he's, he's going to go into the speed force. And I I was not expecting them to depict it the way that they did um, as far as like Shire just walks over and, and the portal appears. Um, but um, I was like, bravo for bringing it in because it makes sense. You know, have him go. It makes sense of where the character is, and uh, you know how fast he was going. And I was like, "I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm on the, I'm on this ride now, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to finish this out because you guys have just hit every note that I wanted you to hit. So fantastic. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was happy. To, I was happy to see it too. And I'm, you know, yeah. and of course, I mean, I was, I was there when Mark Wade introduced it. So I'm, I'm, yeah. on, I'm on board, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, of course, you know, she asked Wally to take her hand, and then there, there's a big chain of Justice Leaguers that are all pulling. Mm-hmm. But I think it's interesting Batman's at the end. Like, <laughs> shouldn't, they, <laughs> shouldn't you put Superman at the end? I don't know. Or Wonder Woman, you know, but... Uh, well, you know what? I, and I think I told you guys this at the time. When they linked hands, I swear to God, tears came to my eyes. Mm. I started, like... I wasn't like ugly crying, but I was like trying to wipe away clears. Like I'm not crying. You're crying type of thing. (laughs) And at that moment, the physical strength didn't matter. Like they, if you look at it, they're not really pulling him. Yeah. I mean, they're just basically, I mean, they are kind of like getting him through the portal, but there's no, like, they're not like in a tug of war, you know, type of thing. It's just, they're linking hands to bring him back. And, you know, this goes back to the idea of like this is the first time in JLU when all seven are back together for the uh, and yeah. these these seven have been splintered ever since Starcrossed, yeah, uh, in one form or another. And you know, with it, this that scene worked on two levels for me, and I think that's why it was so emotionally impactful for me is because not only was it a lineup of iconic characters I've been growing up reading ever since I was a small kid. Um, but within the context of the series, this was a healing moment for all seven of these characters, you know, in terms of like their, their interpersonal relationships, but also they're coming together to save their friend. And if you've ever had in a moment where like your friends come together and support you when you're like down and out or something is not going right for you. I mean, that just, that resonated with me on a lot of different ways. And it way it hit me first time I watched that. I was like, holy crap, this is a wonderful, fantastic moment that they've worked into this cartoon. This is a cartoon, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I, it's just, um, the voice acting is amazing in it. Um, you know, just uh, the anguish that Maria Canals gets in her when she yells out, Flash! And yeah. I think she says, don't let go, don't, don't, don't leave us, Wally, or something like that. And yeah. John says, hold on, Wally, you know, in, in his, like, gruff voice. And it, it's just... Um, 
and here's the thing. They could have turned it into an action sequence. They could have had them go into the feed speed force, like into some like elaborate little you know, limbo or whatever, and like have to like fight some energy to get Wally back. It's a very passive scene, just them linking hands mm-hmm. and and saving their friend. You yeah. know, uh, it it it's just it, it was just perfect, perfect. It almost makes you think almost like it's almost like a family gathering in a hospital room, like staying with somebody who's like kind of critical yes. and they and they all manage to like, you know, it, it works and the person yeah. makes it through. It's kind of it kind of feels like that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's it, it is it is really powerful. And, and I love the you know, it, they're all like, you know, like you said, Hawkgirl, Shira and then John and Superman says we're all here and, you know, they all link and. And, 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 and you're right. I mean, it's more of a, it's more of that whole lifeline thing, you know, like Flash has in the comics. He's got Linda mm-hmm. to always bring him back. Well, here yeah. he's got his friends to bring him back. So, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, you know, she pulls him through, uh, you know, Shire grabs him and, uh, you know, a Green Lantern hovers around him, which I think is great. Uh, and Flash, uh, very weak, says, I can never go that fast again. If I do, I don't think I'm coming back. Uh, and uh, as the leaguer smile, Waller, who somehow got there too, uh, tells the president <laughs> that Brainiac is neutralized. He can call off the airstrike. And then Robert Forster, again, is returning for one line, which I'm sure he recorded during Flashpoint. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, don't, mm. think he, I don't think he came in for, for that. But uh, So, yeah, what a, what a great scene. We leap forward at least a few days in time, and the founding leaguers are holding a press conference in a large city park. I'm assuming probably Metropolis. Thousands of civilians are there in the audience along with the other Justice Leaguers. We see Lois and Jimmy, as well as Snapper Carr, who was a reporter in the early seasons of Justice League, and Summer Gleason, the reporter from Batman the Animated Mm -hmm. Series. Yeah, which, still wearing the same outfit. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Girlfriend needs a raise. Yeah. Yeah. Superman says it's the hardest thing he's ever had to say, but he's guilty, and the League is guilty of the sin of hubris. We had the best of intentions to be Earth's guardians to keep you safe, but we failed you. We looked down on the world from our tower in the sky and let our power and responsibility separate us from the very people we were supposed to protect. No one should ever be afraid of us. Which, uh, you know, yeah. Did Zack Snyder see this episode? I don't think so. But anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he says, because of this, they're decommissioning the Watchtower and the weapon is already gone. We want to thank the members of the Justice League for your courageous service, but in the future... Y'all have to act as independent agents. We're not going to be an army anymore. As of right now, we're disbanding the Justice League. This is the end. And I remember thinking, wow, I mean, what, what, what? You know, it's like, <laughs> I, I, I think at that point, I don't know if I knew if they were doing another season or. Yeah. So I was kind of like, and at one point they thought this was. The end. The end. Yeah. There was one more episode and then there was the end. So I was like, where are they going with this? So. Uh, we know things turn around, but was do you guys think this was a smart decision to even consider on the founding leaders' part? Did they just prove that there should be a Justice League? You know, even without Green Arrow's motivating speech that we're going to get in a minute, what do you think about their decision? What do you think, Steve? I think it was just kind of an overkill. Yeah, <laughs> this, I mean, I, I I don't think it's a flaw in the writing. I think it's actually Superman trying to overcorrect like feeling uh very guilty about his mistake and then going forward with with an overcorrection 
Yeah. Right. And still needing a character like Green Arrow to kind of like redirect him and say, hey, look, God in the sky, you know, yeah, you, you were kind of got off base there for a little bit, but we still need you, you know. Right. Uh, you know, so I, I think it's a, it's a good moment. And I think, it, I mean, in, in terms of the writing, but in terms of the character, it's like Superman just like – I have to, it's kind of like when he found out he was like a secretly gangbuster and he decides I have to exile myself in space. Like, no, just get some therapy, dude. You know, come <laughs> on. <laughs> you don't have to go on a space trek because <laughs> because you're feeling guilty over some choices you made. Um, but uh, so, yeah, that's kind of how I read it when I first saw it. Yeah, I, I kind of, you know, it's kind of almost like in Kingdom Come. It's like, yeah, I know Joker killed like the Daily Planet staff, including Lois, and then Magog killed Joker, and everybody sided with him and not Superman. But at the same time, it's like, did you really have to leave everybody and leave the world defenseless to all these crazy <laughs> superpowered people? You know, it's it's kind of like that kind of moment like that. But like you said, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Green Arrow speaks up, and, uh, you know, he reminds him what they did yesterday. We saved the world again. Uh, and he said the Justice League goes on with or without you. So was he going to organize a Detroit-like Justice League? You know, it makes you wonder, you know. Yeah, so, who knows? <laughs> uh, he continues to tell them if they're quitting because they feel like they've done their fair share, he'll throw them a parade. But if they're quitting because it's easier than continuing the fight, uh, then they're not the heroes he thought they were. And uh, like you said, he said the world needs the Justice League and the Justice League needs you, Superman. And this coming from the guy who felt like he was basically kidnapped and forced to join the Justice League, mm-hmm. which I think is a nice touch, you know. Uh, and, you know, Green Arrow's obviously struggled with a lot of this more so than, I mean, he was the one like, we did this, you know, when they were dealing with the fallout from the... Well, this. and like Flash said, you know, if you start poking, every, you know, if you start doing an eye for an eye, everybody ends up blind. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Again, my... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course, you know, everybody claps and Superman looks around at Lois, at the Seven Founders, and Batman gives him like a nod like, yeah, go for it. Uh, He walks to the podium and chuckling from the response says the league will continue, but there have to be changes. Maybe we can open an embassy on Earth uh, so we can be closer to the people. We can have a rotating staff, some kind of hotline. Sounds very Justice League Mm International-like, doesn't it? Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, but uh, I do have one question. How did they get Batman to show up at a press conference? (laughs) Yeah, especially since they couldn't get him to agree to uh, be arrested in the first place. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, who knows? Yeah. Well, this, at least he's not the, I'm an urban legend. I don't exist Batman, you know, which I I always hated that. Oh my God. I hated that. Uh, Batman tells Wonder Woman they can handle this now because he's not real comfortable with it. So he's going to bolt. He's got a lot of work in Gotham. And he says, you've got my number. And she just slyly says, I think so. <laughs> Loaded. <laughs> I love that. Uh, as Green Arrow gets ready to depart with Black Canary on her motorcycle, I guess she got a new one uh, from uh, the when it got trashed yeah. by the train. Uh, Batman throws some Latin at him. He responds, who guards the Guardians? We got it covered. Of course, this also translates into who watches the Watchmen, but I guess mm-hmm. they thought that was too on the nose, maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've already had the question, you know, Rorschach. We, you know, we're, we're good. Uh, after hours at the Daily Planet, Clark approaches Lois Lane, who is busy working on her Justice League story. 
How many L's in ambivalence, she asked, which is, I think is a nice callback to Lois not being able to spell in Superman the movie. Mm-hmm. There's only one P in rapist, you know. Uh, <laughs> he responds, oh, one, is that your take on all this, Lois? Uh, she says she's been t- as tough on the league as anyone, especially Superman, since he always sets such a high standard. I'm going to cut him a break. He's only human. You know what I mean, which I like in, you know, Clark adjusts his glasses and says, yeah. I do, which is a nice scene, and I like it, but I ever since I learned that they were going to have Clark tell Lois he was Superman here, I'm like, oh, why didn't you just do it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just, oh, just do it. Come on. You know, it's, it, it's, but it does show, you know, that yes, Superman is only human after all, and he's removed himself from the pedestal he'd inadvertently found himself and the rest of the league on. Uh, so I, I think it's a great it's a great humanizing moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a nice touch, and it's, I think it's the only time we see Clark Kent in JLU. We saw him in Justice League, but I don't think we see him again in JLU, and we didn't see him before this either. So it's kind of interesting. So what did you think about the wrap up bit, Steve? I don't want to get too far ahead, but that is that last bit um, between Clark and Lois actually factors into. One of my key moments. Oh, okay, uh, well, let's not talk the, about from it. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's um, uh, it was very well done. I thought. Yeah. So let's jump into our, our superlatives. What do you think? Okay. Power action feature. Okay, for power action feature. So what did you have for this one, Steve? Uh, well, the power action feature. I'm going to go obviously with the Flash. Um, <laughs> So <laughs> just that moment where he is taking down uh, Luthoriak, uh, uh, it, it's just the standout moment from the episode on so many levels. Yeah. I, I, what about you, Cindy? Well, I mean, of course that. Besides that, if I say anything else, I'm pretty sure that I'm sleeping outside. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said if anyone picks anything but Flash connecting to the Speed Force and taking Luthoriak down... You'll be off the podcast, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what I put in the notes. I mean, yeah, it's like, that is like one of the, like, possibly the greatest moment of the whole series. You know, mm-hmm. there might be one in the actual finale that's, that's uh, they're right there together, I don't know. But, and then the then the season, the, the Twilight episode with Superman and Darkseid there. But, yeah, this is, it's, it's definitely up there. So, yeah, obviously. Oh, yeah. Rotating chairperson. For rotating chairperson, who'd you have, Steve? Uh, <laughs> um, oh my gosh, not to sound like a broken record, but Flash. Yeah. Um, he, this whole episode, he was just uh, on like the uh, the clever lines. Uh, like he had the uh, dude that's messed up line, and he also had the. Um, uh, I'll I'll gladly wait my turn line, and then he takes down his. Uh, Justice Lord uh, counterpart very succinctly and comes and doesn't it doesn't fall into the like the uh, you know like the mind uh, miasma they were trying to throw him into uh, like that whole like uh, you know playing mind games with him by shouting uh, insults and whatnot and then finally the the takedown with Brainiac um, yeah it's just and also that final moment he is the one who brings them all together. Mm-hmm. And so if he's not the, the centerpiece of this episode, I don't know what else would be. Right. What about you, Cindy? Yeah. Ditto. Yeah, ditto. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, he's the heart of the team. He saves the day. And in the other 
world, his counterpart's death doomed it. You know, yep. it, he he brought about the Justice Lords, you know, because of his his death. And I mean, so here it's like a great reversal on that. Not only does he survive, he stops Luthor and Brainiac and saves the day. And like you said, Absolutely. he he brings the team together after they've been divided over their decisions. And you know, and mm-hmm. it's it's just great. It's great. You know, and something else that uh, came to mind when I was rewatching, I was actually rewatching it today. Uh, and I, I suddenly it just occurred to me, Superman choosing to not kill Luthor is probably what ended up saving the Flash or beginning the, the, the was the first domino that to save the Flash. Mm. Because if, had Superman killed Luthor, all the other leaguers would have been focused on the fact that Superman just killed Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So John might have missed that Wally was still there. Yeah, that's a good instead point. Of, instead of them having that quiet moment of, like, Superman didn't kill Luthor, we've just lost a team member, and then Jean is like, oh, wait a minute, I still see him, you know, or still, still sense him here. Um, so, yeah, again, Flash is the center, the center point there for everybody. Yeah. Or the Flash point, should I say? Oh, flashpoint? no, please don't. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Justice League Communicator. So for Justice League Communicator, uh, what did you have for your favorite line or exchange here? Uh, well, Steve? I wanted to say, dude, that is messed up. Because <laughs> I can like that that was that was pre- almost exactly the line that I had that I said at the end of the previous episode and then Flash ends up saying it at the beginning of the next one. But I had to go with Lois's line at the end in that final segment where she says, "I've been as tough on the Justice League as anyone, especially on Superman. But that's just because he's always set such a high standard. I'm going to cut him a break. He's only human." You know what I mean. Yeah, I do. That line, it sums up so much about this storyline that's been going on for the entire season. It also sums up uh, a lot about uh, some of the criticism Superman usually gets outside uh, from, from fandom about being like the, 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 the Boy Scout type of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, and Superman is a central character in this storyline, even though this episode was really about, in, in a lot of ways, about Flash. Superman and, and his redemption, for lack of a better term, is, is a big key part of this. And Lois's line says, you know, we got to cut them some slack. You know, they're not perfect. We we can set the high standard, and you know, we, we've only we're holding him to a standard he has set himself. And let's let's move on together. This is what that line is saying to me. And I was like, that is a perfectly written line. And I've got it's probably a longer line and a longer explanation that you've ever gotten for <laughs> for that kind of a, uh, for this part of the episode but you know, that's it just it stuck out to me that way so i you know that's what i went with no that's that's great i i agree it's it is a good, nice wrap up what about you Cindy i'm going with the interchange between green arrow and hot girl when they take out their respective oh, green lantern and hot girl <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, that's, Green Lantern and Hot Girl. Yeah. Sorry, no, it's, that's okay. Yeah, it, no, not, not not the less talking, more hitting line. <laughs> no, 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 no. 
<laughs> I, that's a good one. That's a really great one. It's it's a fun yeah. one. It's a nice. Yeah. It, it again, it's 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 therapeutic for those mm-hmm. characters in mm-hmm. this. You know, so uh, there's a lot of healing in this episode in the midst of you know yeah. trying to save the world. You enjoyed that a little too much. Just letting off some steam. She broke my heart, you know. Likewise, I'm sure. I, my line was actually uh, Superman's, you know, line to Luthor after he decided, you know, let him know I wasn't, I'm not going to mm-hmm. kill you, yeah. because it it's so central to s- the story that's been building ever since a better world, mm-hmm. you know. Sure. Uh, so yeah. I I just think, and it and it says a lot about Superman's character and about you know the way they portray Superman here and the way Superman's been traditionally. Uh, uh, you know, portrayed. Even though this Superman admits that he would, there's a part of him that really wants to do it. You know, but he's not going to do that. So I, I just, I think it's great. What do you know? I did kill him. I was mistaken earlier. I think this is the part where you kill me. <laughs> I'm not the man who killed President Luthor. Right now, I wish to heaven that I were, but I'm not. And each of us had three really great choices there, and I think that speaks to the strength of the episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That there's these really strong, strong, strongly written moments uh, that we can point out and say, this is a really cool line, a cool statement for this character to make. Yeah, I mean it's it's Dwayne McDuffie. He wrote these episodes, and I'm sure all mm-hmm. the I'm sure everybody contributed, you know, like different ideas, and you know Bruce Tim and James Tucker and everybody. But uh, you know, it's coming from the pen of Dwayne McDuffie, who's just you know it, he wrote, you know, he's con- contributed a lot to this series. But these this Cadmus mm-hmm. arc, he wrote every single episode, and it's I think that's another reason why it's so well done. It's very it's very consistent, and it builds naturally. And it's just, yeah, the dialogue is just spot on on top of the story, definitely. Yeah. Comic connections. Uh, so, comic connections. Uh, did you have any comic connection that jumped out at you uh, from this one, Steve? Oh, none, none whatsoever. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I, I um, obviously the Speed Force uh, is directly out of Mark Wade's run on the Flash. Um, the flash turning into a lightning bolt is also out of, uh, I believe it was written by Mark Wade, uh, secret origins, annual number two that featured, uh, the retelling of the origins of, of Barry Allen and Wally West, where it's revealed that Barry Allen at the moment he quote unquote dies in crisis, he becomes the lightning bolt that then becomes the, he goes back in time and he becomes the lightning bolt that transforms Barry Allen into the flash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that when I saw that moment, I was like, Oh, okay. You know, it kind of met, that may be a callback to that. And, um, of course the, the Luther brainiac combination goes back to whatever happened to the men of tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, th- now in that storyline, their combination was, was a bit more acrimonious. Yeah. <laughs> not, 
it wasn't voluntary, uh, but uh, but um, it was uh, uh, but it, the idea of the two of them combining together to make, you know, to become one threat uh, is, you know, remi- that's what it reminded me of. Yeah, I, I, I had that's I had all those down and I the, the bit about the lightning bolt. I've always I, I know when that would come up on Ryan's Secret Origin podcast. I can't remember. I think there were some people that didn't really like that aspect of it, but. But I always mm-hmm. liked it that he became the, you know, the lightning bolt that gave him his powers. It's like literally completing a circuit, you know. Uh, sure, yeah. And uh, I always kind of felt like that that was the seed that the the speed force kind of came from, you know. Uh, and maybe it wasn't, oh, yeah. but I kind of always felt like it kind of put that notion that there's there's something that speedsters go somewhere after they die. They don't just die. They, you know, become yeah. part of something. So I, I thought that was a really nice touch, yeah. Electricity is evil. So for electricity is evil, uh, a lot of electric shocks in this episode from the tendrils. Of course, Flash brings the lightning to Luthoriac. Uh, he's mm-hmm. you know crackling with lightning. You know, so any any other ones that jump out that I miss? That would be the main. You know. Yeah. Although, would the Flash bringing the electricity would that be counted as electricity is evil? No, it's electricity is good. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's evil to Lex or Luthoriac, I guess, and it apparently yeah, kills yeah. Brainiac. So you know, uh, yeah. So uh, there's no Brainiac left. We didn't really talk about that, yeah. but Brainiac is nowhere to be seen, which will give allegedly. Luth- yeah, give Luthor something to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Give Luthor <laughs> something to do next season, but yeah. So. Wrapping things up, final thoughts on this one, Steve. Uh, what do you think about this episode in the Cadmus arc overall? Uh, the, the overall storyline is a classic. It was bringing together so many different kinds of aspects from the DC universe and melding them together into something that was just, uh, it's, it holds up. Like I, I went back and I've, I've been watching this particular story arc uh, as you guys have been covering it on the podcast and I was like, oh, my God, this is still good. <laughs> this is like still a good story. It is not, uh, it is not like uh, diminished by time or by, you know, the fact that I'm older now. And, and, and so it's, it, yeah, just fantastic. And, of course, you know, this episode in particular, it's one of my favorites. It, it, it's, it, it's, it, is, it is my, it is the favorite of mine of this series. And... Um, you know, and I just loved how they got it pitch perfect with every character, especially Wally, you know? Mm -hmm. What about you, Cindy? I mean, like I said, it is one of those things. You have the Flash, the new blood. He is the one that saves it. You could have the old guard doing the same things that they've always done. The Flash comes up, tries a different approach, and he's actually the one that wins. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, I think this is you know it is definitely a high water mark. I mean, in some ways, this is the the series at high tide. Not that there's anything wrong with season three. There's not, but they knew that they couldn't replicate what they did here next season. So they're going. Mm-hmm. It's more of just a, like a more of an episode. There's an overarching storyline, but it's more of a episodic kind of more of a fun it's i mean it's honestly kind of like challenge of the super friends that's what they're doing i mean sure yeah they're they're doing that next season it's a lot of fun but this is like as deep and as you know as the show gets 
and and they pulled it off. I mean, this this episode is full of action, uh, and some of what a Brainiac's doing, like I said, it's pretty esoteric. But Dwayne McDuffie and Joaquin dos Santos, Tim, and the whole crew—they never lose the heart of this storyline. The Justice Lords reappearing to hammer home all the plot threads of the series thus far—that was a perfect touch. And, and like you said, having the Flash at one time, most definitely the junior member of the team, mm-hmm. save mm-hmm. the day and the world. That that was just genius. It, it would have been easy to give this to Superman because this has kind of been his story, and in the end, it kind of still the overarching arc is Superman's story. But it's much more satisfying to see Flash step up and prove that he really is the heart of the team and save the day. I mean, it's just that's the thing. If Superman had saved the day here, it would have been great. But it wouldn't have been nearly as memorable. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, Flash stepping forward is just great, and R- Michael Rosenbaum totally nails his performance. And his Flash isn't a different character than the one we met in the very first episode, Secret Origins. But he th- shows us a side of Wally that he's grown as a person, he's matured, mm-hmm. he's become more confident, so he doesn't have to keep the act up in front of his friends mm-hmm. all the time. But he's showing us a side of Wally that we knew was there, but he hadn't had a chance to shine. And honestly, it's a side he can't show very often or he won't come back. <laughs> right. So, but yeah, I, I just think it's, uh, it's just a phenomenal, one of the best, uh, you know, finale. I mean, again, it's not actually the season finale. We'll do that later, but it's, that's an epilogue. This is the finale of the big action buildup. Of the arc. It's, yeah. it's the finale mm-hmm. of the arc. And it's one of the best, I think that in, in any series, honestly. And like you said, Steve, it's, no matter how many times you've seen it, when you go back and rewatch it, it's just as satisfying to watch it again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for helping us cover this episode, Steve. I'm, I'm so glad that doc, this, you know, you got to do this one. It's your favorite. Dr. Ange did his favorite last time. So I'm just, we're just handing out favorite episodes. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate you guys having me on for this one. I, I, I have loved this episode ever since I saw it and uh, being able to talk about it has been, uh, you know, a really great joy. And I appreciate you, uh, you know, sitting through my my extensive verbosity. I appreciate it. Oh, no, no, no. We're, I, no it's, it was great. You had brought up some great thoughts and, and it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Where can folks find you online? Uh, well, I am. Um, I'm on social media. I'm on Facebook. And uh, what are they calling it? X now? Twitter? Hmm. I, I don't know what they're calling it now. <laughs> but um, anyway, I, I, it's uh, it's a Givens blog on what was formerly known as Twitter, I guess. you could, I don't know. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on the Fire and Water Network from time to time. People, you know, they call me up and or send me a message and say, hey, come on the episode and talk about this. And I'm always game to talk about whatever I can. Well, so, well, here we, I am. We'd like to have you back next season, and I'm guessing Flash and Substance might be an episode you'd be interested in. Uh, sure, and also uh, the Great Brain Robbery. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> all righty, all righty. Well, we'll or, or you know, I, I call me back for whatever. It doesn't even have to be a Flash centric, but yeah, okay. I will. Flash and Substance, yes. Yeah, definitely. Keep me in mind for that one. Okay, well, we'll do that. All right. (laughs) So, special thanks to our Patreon supporters. For information on how you can support the Fire & Water Podcast Network, visit patreon.com slash fwpodcast. Extra special thanks to Jorge Luis Castillo, Matt Ryan, Neil Whitney, Jeff Owens of the Classic Horrors Club Podcast, David Capoon, and Rocket Dan Johnson, who specifically support JLUcast. 
one of you guys get Lex some clothes to put on? How about some prison grays? Maybe he's a, a little naked. Think yeah. about that. When when Superman's lifting him up, little Lex is like shifting in the wind. You know, and, and, <laughs> and I bet you they all looked at each other and looked at Lex and said, yep, that explains everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, but get get him some clothes. Maybe, you know, prison grays, a purple and green jumpsuit, something, you know. Yeah. yeah. Even orange at this point. <laughs> orange at this Yeah, he actually wears orange next season, yeah. Uh, orange is a new purple and green. Uh, this is our last episode for a few months as JLU cast goes on hiatus, so Cindy and I can unlock the house of Franklin Stein over on our original Supermates podcast. Join us for the spooky fun as we cover four classic horror films and superhero comics related in some way to that film. We've got a great lineup for you, so be sure to check it out. If all goes according to plan, we'll be back here in November for the actual finale to JLU Season 2 epilogue. At one time, this was going to be the series finale, but the show got picked up back for a third season. Either way, we have a lot to talk about with that one, so we'll see you then. Bye. JLU Cast is a Franklin and Franklin production in association with Bugaloo Enterprises worldwide and is a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. The characters and properties mentioned in this show are copyright their respective holders. Likewise, all audio clips are copyright their holders and no infringement is implied. So please don't sue mommy and daddy. Emails can be sent to supermatespodcast at gmail.com. Comments can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Find us on Facebook by searching for JLUcast and FW Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter by using the hashtag FW Podcast. Please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. Thank you for listening to JLUcast. This is the hardest thing I've ever had to say. I'm guilty. We're guilty of the sin of hubris. We had the best of intentions to be Earth's guardians, to keep you safe, but we failed you. We looked down on the world from our tower in the sky and let our power and responsibilities separate us from the very people we were supposed to protect. No one should ever be afraid of us. For that reason, we're decommissioning the watchtower. The energy weapon up there is already gone. We're taking down the station as well. There's more. We want to thank the members of the Justice League for your courageous service. But in the future, you'll all have to act as independent agents. We're not going to be an army anymore. As of right now, we're disbanding the Justice League. This is the end. Says who? You remember what we did yesterday? We saved the world again. You don't think that has any value? Well, think again, pal. The Justice League goes on, with or without you. Look, nobody can question your service or commitment to making things better. If you're quitting because you think you've already done your fair share, fine. We'll throw you a parade. But if you're quitting because it's easier than continuing the fight, then you're not the heroes we all thought you were. The world needs the Justice League, and the Justice League needs you, Superman.
right. Okay. But there are going to have to be some changes. Maybe we could open an embassy on Earth so we can be closer to the people. We could have a rotating staff, some kind of... You guys can handle this. I've got work back in Gotham. You've got my number. I think so. Quiz custodia dipsos custodius. Who guards the guardians? We got it covered.